Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Peyton. Good morning, Edwin. Yes, super excited that you're here with us today. For everyone who's listening in, I know Peyton is very different from Andrew Roberts, who's normally with me in these conversations. Yes, I am. But this summer... At the Livingston Avenue Church, Peyton Roth is working with us in a bit of an internship, a training program, working on learning some preaching skills, improving some preaching skills. Already got a lot of good preaching skills, brother. We're really excited to have you with us here. I certainly this appreciate that. So the interesting thing is, is that uh, as we're recording this, you've listened in a little bit. You've actually been working with the congregation for about a month. Mm-hmm. As this hits the air, you've actually been working with our congregation for about two months. So uh, <laughs> kind of a bit of a time warp here, yep. a bit of a time travel. But super glad that you can be with us today. And so for everyone listening, just so you know, as this summer progresses, Peyton's going to be involved with some of these conversations, maybe as the weeks go on, even participating in more of the conversations throughout the week. But here, as we are in Hebrews chapter 10, Peyton, I'm glad you're going to be here with us today on Tuesday. And uh, really looking forward to some of our discussion today about Jesus having come to do the will of God. Absolutely. And what that means for us. So if you would, please, Peyton, kick us off with this conversation by reading Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. I'm reading from the ESV. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God as it is written in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. That's been a major point of topic in these conversations over the last couple of weeks. Jesus made a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice that was once for all. And last week, as we talked about this, Andrew was highlighting that it's once for all people, once for all sins, once for all times. It's the sacrifice that that goes back. It's the sacrifice that goes into the future. It's the one sacrifice. And we talked yesterday about the fact that that means it is the effectual sacrifice, that all those sacrifices under the old covenant, that while, yes, because of their surrender, their faithful obedience to God, he did grant them forgiveness, the sacrifice that effectively accomplished and purchased their forgiveness is this one that Jesus offered, this this one sacrifice that Jesus offered. So that's, that's really what we've been talking about as we're going through here. As we're listening to Uh, Our Hebrew author talk about Psalm 40, bringing it in connection to Jesus. My question for you is, what's your... What's your first impression? What's your first reaction to this this reading that you just gave us? I think the idea that Jesus Christ has been offered once for all is a really important idea that the Hebrew writer is trying to get across. I tend to fall into the trap of thinking in my worship of God, I'm offering a sacrifice, and perhaps in some sense I am. But I'm not offering a sacrifice to atone for sins. Mm. That's what Jesus has accomplished. Jesus has already done that for me. So any worship I offer to God in an attempt to make myself right, I'm missing the point. Mm. I offer my service to God to praise Him, to glorify Him, but Jesus is the one who's cleansed us of our sins, who's atoned for our sins, and it's good to remember that and keep that in mind. That's what the Hebrews writer is trying to emphasize. So there's a difference between 
our worship, and, I, and actually, I know we're going to get into this conversation more later in this week, what you just brought up here, because he's actually going to say there's no more offering for sin. Absolutely. We're, we're, yep. we're no longer making offerings for sin. Mm-hmm. I think that's really powerful. And so when I'm... Now, I know he's also going to later talk about us giving the fruit of our lips, a sacrifice of praise. That's going to come in a chapter a couple of weeks from now. Yep. So what I'm hearing from you, tell me if, if I'm hearing you correctly... What I'm hearing from you is there's there's a big difference between I'm doing these things in in hopes of like making a sacrifice that will buy my forgiveness, that will pay for the redemption, that'll that'll cause God to say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and forgive you. Versus I'm offering thanksgiving, I'm offering submission, I'm 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 well, yeah, the thanksgiving and vo- votive type sacrifices. You're you're seeing a difference between those things and how we're serving God today. Yeah, absolutely. I am seeing a difference between those. Okay, talk a little bit more about that for me. We know that in the Old Covenant, and as pointing out here, the Hebrew writer is talking about this Old Covenant and the different sacrifices we offered, but he makes the point that Jesus has now come to do away with that. Mm. He's come to replace that, as it were. And so now that he's come, sacrifices and offerings have been put out of the picture. Jesus has taken its place. Jesus has made the one effectual sacrifice to take the place of this. There's no longer a need for that. And in fact, when Jesus came, he came to do his will. It says here that, behold, I've come to do your will, O God, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7 here. And I think in in a large part, now that he's taken away, he's taken away sins, atoned for sins, we come to do the very same thing. Mm. We come to offer our sacrifice to God by doing his will. Okay. Because he has accomplished now taking away our sins. So we now come to do God's will. Here in Hebrews chapter 10, what our author is doing is saying, look, Psalm 40, and that's that's where this quote, I'll get it out. That's where this quote comes from. Psalm 40, verses 6 and 7. Yes. He says, he presents this as when the Messiah comes into the world, he is the one saying this. Mm-hmm. So, so we know it was written and recorded centuries earlier But our author is saying what we're reading in this psalm is what the Messiah is doing, what the Messiah is accomplishing, and even what the Messiah is saying now that he is in the world. Once he has come into the world, he is saying this, look, God, you didn't want sacrifices and burnt offerings for me. Rather, you prepared a body for me. And I have come to do your will, which was, of course, that he was going to give that body. That body was going to be the sacrifice. But what a powerful example, as as you've just said. Here, our Messiah comes in, our Christ, our Savior, our King, our Lord, and his goal is, I just want to accomplish your will. We should be saying that same thing. When we come into the world, we should be saying this. I've just come to do your will. You agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, if Jesus himself said... He's coming to God. He's echoing the words of this psalm and saying, I haven't come to offer a sacrifice. I've come to do your will, O Lord. Then absolutely, we should follow that example. We should do just as Jesus has done. Which becomes a little bit confusing because he did come to offer the sacrifice. He did. And so what our Hebrew author says immediately is that he replaces the first with the second. And so the the contrast is not just sacrifice versus no sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's these animal sacrifices that we find in the law. He's saying, look, I didn't come to offer those sacrifices. I came to offer this body that you prepared for me. Mm -hmm. And he replaced the first with the second which is very similar to what we've seen in Hebrews earlier as we talk about the priesthood. That's been one of the fascinating things going through this is that we find Jesus is both priest and sacrifice. 
that in the law you had priests that offered bulls and goats and and calves and heifers and and lambs and sheep, uh, turtle doves and pigeons and meal and and drink offerings. They the priests offered those, but for our new covenant, the priest is the sacrifice. He has come to offer himself, and he's replaced that. The, those sacrifices that we had under the law, he, he has now come take that first away present the second, which is the effectual true sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a really powerful thing. Now, talking about us doing the will of God, how are we going to know how to do the will of God? We know the will of God, just if, we, if we're looking into this text a little bit more. Um, it makes that quote from Psalm 40, and it talks about how just after actually in Psalm 40, it mentions that the law is written on our hearts. And that's something actually calls back in Hebrews chapter 8. Mm. It mentions that the law has been written on our hearts, but it never went back and actually explained what that meant. And so we're, we're sort of left to wonder for a chapter or two, what's that talking about? Right. What's what's this law being written on our hearts? But then when we actually get to it here in, in Hebrews chapter 10, when it quotes Psalm 40, it says, Behold, I've come to do your will, as it is written in the scroll of the book. Mm-hmm. It seems that he's suggesting that the way the law is written on our hearts is by taking the scroll of the book. Okay. That, that is a fascinating thing. So one of the things that happens when the law or the prophets get quoted in the New Testament is that sometimes what's being quoted is just the statement, just the words that are referenced, and we're mm-hmm. pulling that out and making a point. But sometimes what's supposed to be happening is pushing us back to the context and seeing what's what's around it. And I think you've brought up a really good point here. Back when Andrew and I were talking about Hebrews chapter 8, and it was referring to Jeremiah 31, we did highlight, wow, one of the difficult parts of this this prophecy in Jeremiah 31, when he says, I'm going to, I'm going to have a covenant that's not like this old covenant, not like this one that I made with Israel. And one of the things he says is, I'm going to write the laws on their hearts. The laws will be on their hearts and on their minds. Some folks today have then expected that we should have no documentation of God's will, that we don't have to read our Bibles, that just God's going to put his will on our heart. We're just listening for nudges and pushes. I find it interesting, though, as we get to Hebrews chapter 10, just as you've pointed out, here in Psalm 40, verses 6 through 7, and he is quoting from the Septuagint, actually, the Greek translation, so it's a little bit different mm-hmm. than what we have. So some order is reversed, but it's essentially the same. And he's highlighting, you've made this body for me. I've come to do your will as it is written in the scroll of the book. But if I go back to Psalm 40 and I keep reading, here's what we have. Verse 7, this is from, of course, the uh, English Standard Version, which is based not on the Greek translation, so slightly different, but essentially the same. Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. All of a sudden, wait a minute. I remember what the Hebrew author said in in chapter 8 about the law being on our heart. And the Messiah, when he comes into the world, is saying, I've come to do what's written in the scroll of the book because your law is written on my heart. And as if to drive this home, that we didn't read all the way to this uh, in, in your reading, the Hebrew author in verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 10 is actually going to go right back to that passage in Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. How's he going to do that? Well, the same way he did it with the Messiah. I mean, surely, Peyton, would you agree with me? If there's anybody in all of human history that didn't have to have the scroll of the book to know what God's will was, do you think it'd be Jesus? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anybody in all of history that's like, well, look, I've got it. It's in my heart. I know yeah. what it is. Because I was actually part of, of making it. <laughs> yeah. Are, were you wanting to add something there? 
Yeah, I was just thinking, I think what we're forced, if we understand the argument that's happening here, that the Hebrews writer is calling back this psalm, making this argument about what it means to do the will of God, I think only a natural question we ask is, what am I saying when I'm saying I've come to do God's will? Mm. Am I saying I'm coming to do sort of how I feel like, where my heart's leading me, where I feel the Holy Spirit's pulling me to do? Mm. Or am I saying I'm coming to do your will according to what you've said, Lord, yeah. according to what you've said in your book? I'm I'm trying to understand that, to know that, and trying to do that. Yeah. I And recognizing that when I know what's in the scroll of the book that God has revealed and recorded by his Holy Spirit, that that is how the Holy Spirit is leading me. Mm-hmm. So it's not I'm digging deep within myself and what are my feelings and what are my thoughts and what are, what's my intuition and then attributing that to the Holy Spirit. It's the recognition that even the Messiah, when he came into the world to do the law that was written on his heart, that law was written on his heart. Because he saw it in the scroll of the book, because he read it, he understood it, and he internalized that. And and that's and in fact, we see that with the Messiah. When he faces temptation, when Satan comes to him, his immediate reaction is the first three words, it is written. Absolutely. It, it is written. It mm-hmm. is written. I know what's written in the scroll of the book. I have come to do the will of God. Now, of course, for Jesus, that was offering his body as sacrifice for us. That's us being living sacrifices, Mm -hmm. as it says in the scroll of the book in Romans, as it talks to us (laughs) about the fact that we need to be living sacrifices, crawling on that altar. So we need to come to do the will of God as well. Peyton, thank you so much for being involved in this conversation with me today. I hope this has been beneficial for you. It has been for me. We'd love to hear from others what you're learning. Give us an email at texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Why don't you go ahead and wrap us up with prayer, Peyton? Lord our God, we thank you so much for the time we can spend in your word and be blessed in this free country to be able to do that. And Lord, um, we pray that we can understand better as we study your word what it means to do your will, Lord. That in following your son's example, we can come to you, commit to doing your will, and say that just as you've told us, that we will do it according to as it is written in the book. Lord, help us to know this book so that we may do it well. And help us to be thankful and realize that your son has offered the sacrifice and atonement for our sins that we could not offer so that we could be saved. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together. And we pray that the listeners here today have been encouraged by this message. And we pray that we can all be encouraged together knowing that you have given atonement for our sins. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.